G'day everyone and welcome. It's a great pleasure to say hi and welcome to this new product which is a podcast called Home Loan Hacks. So this is something that myself, Martin Beanland, and today I'm with my nephew Tim who's a marketing expert and his company Been Talking is helping me produce these podcasts. We've been out and bought a whole lot of gear, we're ready to roll um, and this Home Loan Hacks is about helping our customers and informing them as a monthly update. So we'll have the update, we'll, we'll meet some of our key providers and key suppliers and colleagues and clients and we'll talk about home loan ideas and how to help you get a better situation. So it's all about content, all about educating, supporting, assisting our clients. Super excited to be doing this. Let's go. Martin. Hey Tim. Thank G'day. you for being on. Uh, this is a big highlight for me. I've been trying to get you to come on the show for a while now and we've finally got you here. Cheers, mate. So I mentioned in the intro you've got a really diverse background, but for people that don't know you and are listening along, uh, tell us a bit about yourself. Great stuff. Thanks, Tim. Uh, so my key backstory is I grew up in Ballarat in Victoria and um, yeah, after high school I went and joined the army. I went to Duntroon and was an army officer for 21 years and that was awesome in the engineer corps, really enjoyed that and next phase was as a mortgage broker. So I joined Mortgage Choice for 11 or 12 years yeah. and had multiple franchises of mortgage broking company and then worked in corporate for a couple of years uh, post GFC and then have come back into broking. So I'm now back as a mortgage broker with Loan Market there at Loan go. Market Richmond <laughs> in New South Wales. Yeah, a bit of a plug there for people that of are listening course. along. Um, what I, there's a lot of stuff there that you mentioned that I'll touch back on GFC things, but, but let's start at the army. Um, yeah, I've known a few people that have gone into that and they've learned a lot. But tell me a bit about that experience and yeah, yeah, what you've got from it's it. It's funny the decisions we make, and uh, that started with a bunch of factors. The first was I love sport, mm. uh, watching, playing sport. I'm pretty active. I've always been in the scouts and outdoorsy sort of stuff. Um, a lot of inspiration from family who have the same sort of pursuits. Um, I wanted to go to university. I wanted to guarantee a first career. And to be honest, it was kind of appealing to be 800 odd kilometres away from home and start my own life. <laughs> get and, out. Uh, yeah, get stuck into it. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I, I like socialising and people of high quality and, and um, yeah, who wanted to go hard. Mm. Fantastic. Yeah. So obviously a lot of discipline learnt through there and, and lessons, life lessons that you've taken taken on. Yeah, fascinating. The perception of army is often very marching left right left and conformity and restriction etc but it's quite the opposite it's a great training organization it's a great mentoring organization but if you go way back to the Duntroon experience it sort of to a point strips people down and takes away their rights and packages them back up as privileges and you learn a lot of respect and you learn a lot of value in um, respect for people and accuracy in words and understanding people and working together with people and sometimes the good stuff's on the far side of the comfort zone that's a saying I like and I've heard before but a lot of my army experiences you know I can really relate to that and great sense of fellowship and great bunch of people what you said there taking away your privileges and giving them that uh, would give you a bit of perspective you I think we've mentioned sleep as an example 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so doing without sleep for a night, um, lying next to a road in the pouring rain um, with a purpose and a mission, you have to be quite obsessed. And I've heard like David Goggins, uh, um, someone I'm inspired by, talk about obsession, not motivation. And if you're focused and obsessed and you just don't have a choice, you just make it a habit, um, it just leads to amazing outcomes. So my colleagues and fellowships and um, common purpose, um, my friendships from that are very easy to pick up again because they're people I respect from that, that, that common understanding. I'll give a shout out to the Double Duck crew. The, yeah, the Double Duck crew who go to the footy every year, they're kind of crazy. It's like we did a pentaduck last year with Paul, my brother, and so we went to five games of footy, five lots of duck, lots of beers over <laughs> one weekend. But the Double Duck itself is just great and, um, yeah, pretty long mateship. day. Mateship. Yeah, great mateship. Yeah. So the shift then between being in the Army, um, 2001, I believe, yep. was when you finished... And coming into being a broker, where that's a bit, a bit of a crazy choice. Yeah, it's not a natural progression. No. Um, back end of my army time, it was a question of stay in the A-list. I was fortunate to have great fellowships, great mentorships, great roles, uh, and heavily in Sydney. Uh, my wife, Debbie, um, is a flight attendant, and she works in Sydney, worked in Sydney, and I didn't want to leave Sydney. We'd had small sojourns elsewhere, but... The Army days, I was fortunate. I had a construction regiment, a field squadron, a engineer corps school, training command, land command. We're all based in Sydney. So I had real great jobs, A-list jobs, but I was at a decision point of chase the job with now a nine- and five-year-old children and a wife in a professional career. So chase the best jobs or be in the B-list in the Army and chase the Sydney or... The choice I made, which was time, time for change. So I had a list in the back of my diary of what defined my next career. And funnily enough, mortgage broking popped out. Yeah. So let's talk about that list a bit. Um, what, was, what was on there <laughs> and the key points? Do you, do you yeah. remember any of them? Yeah. yeah, of course. I remember them all in the back of my diary. And they didn't have a specific link, but it was def descriptors. It was, um, I can sell, but I'm not a seller. I can influence what I earn. If it's a product, it's the best. I don't do ties. <laughs> uh, I take holidays. I'm a part of my family's life. Uh, I think I said I can influence what I am, but I can earn good money or great money based on my current focus. Mm. I can control my environment. By that, I don't mean control freak. I mean I can influence my environment. So I can uh, shape the story to a large extent. And um, I think that's pretty much everything that was on the yeah, list. And, and mortgage breaking wasn't what I expected, but I stumbled across it and another colleague had done it. And um, yeah, no regrets. It was, a, it was a great change. Tick the boxes. So then you moved into life as a broker. Yeah. Um, and had a fairly successful business doing that. Yeah, pretty unsuccessful at the start. Most people who oh. start business will tell you, um, plan on not making money for three or four years. <laughs> Uh, but I really got uh, mentorship and did a lot of work four years in. I visited a lot of great brokers. I did a mentoring program. I really battened down to the fundamentals of the business and um, and tightened it up and started becoming you know, very productive and, and achieving and whatever. And at its peak, had two franchises that I ran with commercial officers and a third franchise in which I had a partnership. It was essentially run uh, by Gary, my colleague, and... Um, and yeah, we won awards and were recognised as a high-performing business. And Peak performance. Um, yeah, and and that was 
uh, 11-ish years uh, until things change in that environment and I reach another decision point, yeah. Mm. So that other decision point was then moving into coaching and corporate? Yeah. Moving up the ladder a bit? Yeah, not so much up the ladder. I would always, I'd always love mentorship. I'd love yeah. coaching. I've been uh, privileged to have some great people shown interest in me over the years and I'd always chased that and warmed to that and, and offered it to others and that gives me a lot of um, enjoyment and also you keep learning stuff. So I remember once the CEO of Mortgage Choice reckoned that I'd been to more Mortgage Choice offices than anybody except him because he opened them all. Um, so I used to love chatting to people in the fellowship. So going into coaching wasn't an unusual stint. I started as a private coach. I had my own business and then sought out a company that I really liked and I went and asked them if they needed someone like me. I didn't actually look in seek. It was kind of funny because they did have an ad in seek and I didn't know it. So that was a bit awkward after I found that out some weeks later when I got invited back to um, have a cup of coffee with some of the state manager's friends and I said, who are your friends? And he said, um, well, there's the national head of sales and there's the state director, South Australia, and there's the general manager. There's some of my friends you'd have a coffee with. And I said, well, sounds a bit more like a job interview. And he said, well, yeah, you could call it a coffee or you could call it third interview. So <laughs> it was a bit of an unusual one. But yeah, I was successful in, in that uh, endeavour and absolutely loved the coaching and development role, which I did with that company, uh, which is Loan Market, for um, um, two or three years. Yeah. yeah, so that brings us to sort of today, I guess, and uh, being at Loan Market Richmond. <laughs> um, <laughs> And that's you. You left the corporate world, uh, having coached brokers, coached a lot of people, and then gone. I vaguely remember the Facebook status and and going. That's really cool. Uh, going back into your broking. Yeah. So what it, influenced that decision? Yeah. Again, it was things changing and decision points. And I guess a message for people on the podcast is being willing to start with a new decision and being willing to make a change. Mm. And. I loved the certainty of the um, salary every month. That was amazing. Like every month, same day of the month, they paid me the same amount. That was really cool. Um, but also it had come for a purpose, which was the GFC led to broker commissions changing, led to that company, which was Mortgage Choice, had certain policies which I didn't feel were going to be advantageous to me in the future should I either get sick or lose key staff. And I saw it as a risk and that I'd do better to sell at that time. So having had a couple of years, I guess, stability and a coaching role, which I totally loved, um, different things unfolded. I had, uh, I was travelling a lot. I drove 50,000 kilometres that year coaching. And there was an opportunity close to home where I'd worked with the Ray White principal in the Hawkesbury in New South Wales. I really liked him. He was a great believer in extra services and value for his customers. And he believed in the loan market proposition and he was open to talking about uh, adding another broker to his team. And so that was a very welcoming environment and he had an office space available. He had customers, so the opportunity, because I had no customers from my previous business. So that was available. And I'd also interviewed for a possible broker or support team role um, Shane Mott, who works with me today for the last four years or so, and he's an absolutely cracker of a guy, great professional, highly regarded, fabulous in the team. And so um, having had two or three meetings with Shane 
one or two of which might have been at the pub, <laughs> we talked about, well, how would it shape if I was going back into broking? And those things we've talked about were for me on um, a part-time or full-time basis. What would that look like? So having Shane's um, skills and, and capacity and, and decency available, having um, the office available, having um, a real estate affiliated service interested in engaging. And also, I guess, all the experiences I'd had for two or three years in coaching others and seeing others and what would I do differently, which was a really great professional opportunity to bring it in, bring it into the core product, bring it into one amazing office um, bring it into more focused on the client experience, which we always had been, but really rebuilt again, which was really quite exciting. Mm. Yeah. And that sort of brings us, we're talking about the office, we're talking about building a team, kind of brings us to where we're located today and, yeah. and the beautiful cottage here. Um, yeah, so four years in now and three or four months ago or six months ago now, we moved into this, um, this amazing cottage, which you can't see here, but I think we're going to put some photos up. Yeah, um, I'll link to them now. Yeah, so the cottage is 200 years old. It's the year that Richmond, which is a very early um, historical town, was uh, for agriculture and like for the settlement in Sydney. You've taken me and my partner on a walking tour. Yeah, yeah. so exceptional historic town. So this little cottage is just beautiful. The opportunity to um, work with a solicitor in-house. It's um, her own business, but she supports a lot of our clients. And the people that had been renting the office, it's just a treat. Um, Jason and Tracy are fantastic and they have a, a photography business. So it's just a great energy and buzz to have all of us together. And also Julie in my team, who I hadn't mentioned earlier, but she does a really important role in marketing and compliance support and essentially doing the functions that uh, I'm either not as good or as patient or as suited to, mm. to allow me to, to do my role. But yeah, having the image and the branding and also Loan Market as a family-owned business. Mm. It's, it's the largest non-bank-owned mortgage-broking company in Australia by far. Um, most of your listeners wouldn't know that pretty well all the big brokerage group are either fully or heavily bank-owned, which I don't think influences the product end and the client choice end and the broker end but i feel better about being in a family-owned business and i think that kind of speaks to your values as well um i actually admire you and debbie's relationship a lot when it comes to personally my, my relationship um and, and lisa actually mentioned it a couple of times so mm. plug to debbie um, <laughs> she'll love that i know she's she listens on um she's totally awesome let's be clear yeah let's be clear <laughs> <laughs> So I want to get into the, the mortgage side of things and, and your finance brain because what you do for your clients is, is amazing. So let's, let's get some value here. Mm. Uh, the topical thing to talk about, if, especially for the back end of 2019 and then the knock-on effects for 2020 is the Royal Commission. Yeah. And um, what's happened and the outcomes of that for, for you. And, and yeah. yeah. Yeah, the Royal Commission was fascinating. And I saw, I think it was a financial review, had a heading which is banks commit fraud, brokers get bashed. And it was really quite frustrating to sit on the outside and I loved the process. I loved the necessity for the, that experience and that expose. Um, and I welcome future reform. Um, the compliance regime is much tougher in broker groups than it is in banks. The requirement to have most of those things that the commissioner brought up have been in place. Brokers getting paid on net amount drawn. Um, brokers having a best interest duty to the client, which is further being developed, and I welcome. 
um, brokers having a requirement to fully disclose commissions, um, brokers acting in the best interest of the customer, etc. So a lot of those things which had already been put in, but bank spin was quite crazy in the Royal Commission and, and the banks giving brokers a bash. So of the broker groups that were presenting to the Royal Commission, it was only those that had bank ownership and of course those CEOs who said in principle, you know, I support the broker industry, etc., would have a stake and or have an ownership and or have an issue. But the largest non-bank owned was not invited. There was one mortgage broker invited to the Royal Commission. Uh, he worked in Aussie, which is 100% owned by CBA. And he was, by all accounts, a very ordinary representative of the broker industry and said brokers provide no ongoing value to their clients, which would be pretty outrageous to just about every mortgage broker. So the process, the Royal Commission, fantastic. The broker bashing, concerning, um, and the industry standing up for itself and fighting back with the brokers work for you, I think you mentioned. And MFAA. And MFAA and the FBAA, the associations, showing the benefit and showing the value of the broker proposition, um, showing the differential between what banks earn and what brokers earn, um, showing how they're customer-centric the net promoter scores of broker groups are in general 85 and higher. Banks are, no, big banks are 20 and lower. Um, small banks are 40 and lower. That's basically customer satisfaction on a zero to 10 where nine or 10 is a positive, eights are neutral, or seven eights are neutral, six and downs are minus. So the, the client experience and the client outcomes in general. Uh, so obviously I'm pretty passionate about this topic. Very, very passionate. And <laughs> so did I answer your question? Yeah, of course. No, no, I love it. I love it. This is what yeah. I wanted to get. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Um, speaking on that passion, uh, what I loved is your vocalness, if that's a word, the, your ability to be vocal uh, at that period of time. And, yeah. and your trending hashtag, I want to say, was, was brokers work for you. Yeah, well, that's a, um, so, I believe, a loan market one. Yep. And it was to gain some awareness, but also let brokers tell their stories and let their clients tell their stories. And in the main, Sam White, our CEO, came out of it fantastically well as an industry leader. And also just saying, let the customers speak, let the customers tell their story, their experience in an unfettered way. But be willing to vocalise that and mm. be willing to... Because one of the outcomes of the Royal Commission was potentially a flat upfront payment model that the governments tinkered in and out of. And I think there was 87 recommendations in the commission and nearly all of them passed, uh, passed and or upheld except for the broker recommendation of upfront commissions, which appears to have been deferred and or mm -hmm. turned away because the upfront and trialing commission model has proved itself to work and motivates brokers both to provide an upfront service and ongoing support um, even though the actual service and proposition was based on an upfront commission being split over four years. Because I want to actually touch on that. You, you as a broker and, and brokers that I've, I've talked to and events and certain things do a lot of work, a lot of yeah. work. And, and what a broker actually does, hmm. I think needs to be out there. Because not a lot of people know what goes on behind the scenes after hours. Yeah, and I sort of was a course. bit guilty of that when I started. I thought, oh, how hard can it be? Like, <laughs> rock up, sign some forms, give them to the bank and bingo, make a bunch bingo, of money. Bingo. Uh, I wish it was as simple. Um, so at, at, the, at the start point, I guess simple version is it's at least two or three weeks work to help a client get to settlement. 
and with the initial discussions, the scenario running, the options running, the discussions over time, it generally takes a long time and then a number of people that obviously don't proceed, don't choose to proceed, the planning meetings, which I really like because it scopes the, the expectations of the clients, the broad planning, the numbers, does it make sense, the suburbs, are we looking in the right sort of thing, how does the transaction unfold, what's your current bank experience and more than half of my clients, I, I still take an open view and, and give a bit of strength towards their current bank. Mm. Um, but yeah, the number of, uh, the amount of options and planning, the follow-ups, the valuations, the loan documents. Um, so it's at least two weeks work, perhaps more. And then, if and, can, and then ongoing support, yeah. yeah. And then if I can just touch to that point, the way that the business model for a broker is, is set out is you can do all that upfront work and if nothing settles, there's, there's no financial reward. Yeah, you only get paid on the loans that settle. Yeah. So that is a um, that that was a concern to the Royal Commissioner yeah. who thought that was influencing people's outcomes. Well, I think that's no different to any sales role where yeah. you're encouraged to sell stuff. Yeah. But I think broadly brokers have an incredible caring philosophy in general. But it, also if you've picked the right broker on the right thing in terms of recommendation, in terms of known reviews what do their google reviews look like what do their product reviews look like what are their customer recommendations look like um, if you've selected well and you've done your own interrogation you've done your own questions even if you think they're half baked by asking questions and getting answers you get a sense of are they professional are they knowledgeable what's my experience going to be like are they good communicators and that's no different to any business that i'd encourage people to be engaged and involved in that process definitely Definitely, because it's it's something I uh, just a lot of people don't know, and if I can put it into context, just if you're listening along, imagine doing two weeks of your normal job um, without financial return. And yeah, put that not too good. Everything. No. So, so you do need to be focused on what clients are best for you to help, mm. and what clients are willing to be helped. Yeah. And and it's a human emotion, human experience that it is personal. And you want to help people who want to be helped. Mm. And um, yeah, so we do have uh, a pretty strong understanding of who are the people that we can help. Mm. And um, that gives a lot of clarity to the business. Yeah. So we're moving, uh, we're, we're filming this late 2019, early moving into 2020, probably mm. publishing. What's going on in the market right now? What's your hot tips or yeah. tricks or what's going on that, that we can talk about? Yeah, currently? I guess in terms of understanding state of the market now, I'd also love to have a little look at 2019 and some factors in the last couple of years. Certainty from the election is always a great thing and that gives confidence to the Australian property market. So having had the election over is certainly a positive. There had been a couple of concerning uh, negative policies uh, in the labour options. Now, I don't want to make a political statement, but changes to negative gearing, changes to capital gains implications... Whether they would or wouldn't have been a good thing, they certainly seem to spook the market. Um, the other big factor in the last year has been the Royal Commission. Some changes out of that that I do welcome have also led to a bit of instability by both consumers and lenders. One big change has been people's need to disclose all of their costs of living. So that's fully assessed these days, all statements, etc. That certainly led to a more rigorous process, which I do welcome. Um, having had the Royal Commission process, credit had been tight and certainly lenders had been very conscious of the Royal Commission process. 
it did seem to ease off a little through 2019. One thing that definitely eased off was APRA loosened the requirements on banks as to what assessment rate they could use. So banks could now use an assessment rate more around 6% than 7.25%. So what the bottom line is that people can borrow about 15% more than they could prior to July 2019. So that's obviously great in terms of consumers being able to meet their dreams. <clears throat> the um, market uh, had been fairly stable in 2019. That had been the, on the back of a really decent drop in property prices in 2018 and 2017, around 15 to 20% in Sydney for sure. Um, but again, that was a cyclical thing on the back of 2014, 2015 to 2017, early 2017, where prices had gone up quite a lot, 10 to 15% per year in the Sydney market. So it's a pretty common cycle that does tend to self-fulfil a little bit. The most recent year, 2019, open agent reports Sydney prices up 1.6% and Melbourne prices up 2.2%. So it's been a bit of a year of consolidation and stabilising, I'd say. Certainly there's looks like confidence in the upcoming year. CoreLogic is predicting a 10% rise in 2020 in terms of property price. Um, interest rates are historic low levels. So we see cash rates right now 0.75%. So that's basically what the bank can buy money at. So that results in a home loan rate around 3.1%, including major banks, and investment property loans, principal interest around mid threes, 3.5, 3.6. Now there are some smaller lenders and what I'd call some dive and dash lenders as well that buy um, market share that have rates below that. I'd be a little cautious on long-term stability of lenders. Also, there's a lot of fixed rates that are even lower than that. A lot of banks are advertising well under 3% as a fixed rate loan. I'd again be a little bit cautious there and certainly watch for your strategy. Um, the Reserve Bank Governor is calling for likely further drops as the most likely trend that we're in. So that's a bit of the state of the market. I'm feeling quite confident. I'm feeling like this will be a strong year. I'm feeling like we'll see some confidence. Um, one thing related to this year is that we've just had this month, January 2020, the start of the government's new scheme called the First Home Loan Deposit Scheme. Now this scheme is only available through CBA, NAB and a number of smaller lenders. It's for first home buyers who have saved 5% themselves of the property purchase. So say they want to look at a purchase of 600000 uh, If that customer has borrowed, uh, sorry, saved 5% themselves, so 30000 then they may be eligible. There's also an income uh, eligibility requirement, so you can't be earning more than 125000 as an individual or 200000 as a family. Now, this scheme is only available through selected lenders, so you can only apply through CBA, NAB and 26 smaller lenders. So surprisingly, they've not, uh, the bank, the government has not rolled this out through any of ANZ, Westpac, St George, Bankwest, Macquarie, ING or a lot of other larger lenders in Australia. So interesting why they've, they've done that scheme. So it is open from now. There's 10,000 eligibilities 
this uh, month, January 2020, and another 10,000 eligibilities in the start of the next financial year, so July. So if you're looking to take advantage of this scheme, I'd be looking at January, February, March, or July, August, September, as likely times there'd be an eligibility. So this means no need for mortgage insurance, no need for a parent as a guarantor. So it may well be something really beneficial in a first-home buyer's situation. So check in and let me know if you want to have a chat about this and see what it means to you. You mentioned rates, Hmm. and this is something that I'm continually fascinated about when I talk to you. Um, Hmm. The general public, and I'm a marketing nerd, and I think marketing is to play at this, but why do you think people love to have what's your rate, what's the rate? I yeah. want my rate. Like, oh, what are you looking to do with your mortgage? Oh, I just want a better rate. Yeah. You know, the classic example is around a barbecue. People say, oh, this is what I got. But that's, mm. yeah. So why are people fixated yeah. on, on rate? It's a funny one and it's also a very now thing. When people get motivated and they get interested, they think that's a question they should ask. And of course, rate is important. The fundamental of what's your rate and how much do you pay is how fast it gets paid off. There's all these get which quick schemes and paid off faster schemes. They all come around to what's your rate, what's the fees, how fast, how much do you pay? Um, now rate is no indicator of future rate. And it's really quite a cynical exercise by a lot of banks who buy market share and then they move their rates outside of Reserve Bank and the client generally doesn't know or follow their own rate. So equally important are a number of factors. Rate is important, I don't want to get that wrong, but or don't want to have a misunderstanding, but there is so much differential in credit policies and what bank will do what deal. No is not no. No is that our lender at this time wouldn't be able to help you. However, what does yes look like? So helping the client with a plan or a strategy, and I have clients that change strategies frequently, like let's do it as an investment, let's do it as a home, let's buy more, let's buy less, and working that to the point at which when they're ready. So that advice and support is far more valuable because you get the right outcome, buying the right property at the right time that suits your client need um, versus bottom line right now. Mm-hmm. So, And also the now rate is no reflection on the future rate. So now rate might be something. There were several banks that moved outside Reserve Bank rate last year, but not all. Um, So they would now be getting very much not first place. And clients who have had a loan for three to five years, if they haven't reviewed their loan, would be costing them for sure. Yeah. Wow. And you said a lot about the RBA rate, the fixed rate you're saying, 0.75 at the moment. So... Let's talk about a little bit about the RBA cycle and they'll pass a rate cut on, um, something I find, but then the banks don't do it themselves. Yep. So what's the go? And Because people don't know about that. It's yeah, a it's, a big, a... it's a big clouded in mystery topic that yeah. the banks will use cost of funding as the ultimate reason. And they do vary a bit, but they kind of go kind of in sync. Um, but it's a real thing. The, the net interest margin by a bank, so the difference between the cash rate and the delivery rate, it's not quite, but give or take 2%. Mm-hmm. So that's the amount, that's the gross amount that a bank, a bank makes on a home loan. So if the, if the cash rate was 1% and the delivery rate was 3%, net interest margin... Sorry, just for someone that doesn't know what yep. cash rate is, cash rate and delivery rate... It's like the cost of borrowing to a bank. Okay. So I can buy money at... 0.75% if I'm a bank. Yep. It's not exactly, but it's good enough. 
and the delivery rate or the home loan rate. So let's for simplicity call it 1% and 3%. The net interest margin is a known number and, and a watched number. That's a real thing. Give or take, banks make 2% um, on a home loan per year. So on a $500,000 home loan, they make $10,000 per year. Good business. So over four years, they make $40,000. You rack up a couple of those. It's good. Yeah, no, as so a bank. Good. That's as bank. a bank. Yeah, that's yeah. if on, no, on, no, on no, a yeah, bank. Yeah. But that's a gross income. It's not bottom line. So they have very big infrastructure, a lot of staff, a lot of services, etc. Don't denigrate banks, but the, the gross income to a bank is 2% per year, give or take 10000 a year for a $500,000 loan. The broker on the same amount, same loan will make about 1.25% over four years. So that's roughly half as an upfront commission, roughly half as a trailing commission per year, give or take 1.25, give or take no 7,000 something. Yeah, so that's the sum up. So yeah, then why, I guess getting back to the other one, if the RBA rate is lower and cut, yeah. then cost of funding is, a, is an excuse. But yeah, this is a real pain point. Yeah, and it's not something that the layman would be able to know, is it fact or fiction? But I guess it's just the environment in which we we work. The big thing I would say clients can do is to own it, to be aware, to be willing to review, to have a broker or a banker who's willing to price and adjust and watch. And whether the, I'd prefer the client to own it and to check in themselves every year, even if it can't do anything, there's nothing worth doing. Maybe but if you're on top of it, yeah, for the client to say, I know what my rate is, it's about that time, I've got it in my diary every year. Um, the better brokers or better bankers will do it. In fact, no, the bankers generally won't do it, <laughs> but the better brokers will do it. Not every broker will do it. At worst, you'll get a communication, but the client's got to own it. The client's got to choose. If it's going to cost, say, $1,000 to change banks and you're, say, 0.4% off the mark, that same loan is $2,000 a year. Now, there's cashbacks and rebates and schemes to help with costs, in general, it's about the pain point. Would mm. clients be willing to review and or change? Yeah, well. So that actually brings me to another instance of you just said people need to own their loan. Yeah. They need to own and, and just don't be apathetic about it. I think Australians in general are very, oh, she'll be right. Mm. But what happens when, because I think this is another thing, people's loan products actually go stale over time. Yeah. Yeah, so expand on that for me. And yeah, it's not an accidental thing, and I'd encourage yeah. everybody to pull out your statement right now, yeah. and I'll tell you approximately 0.1 to 0.2 per year for how old your loan is, is how much you'll be off the mark. Yeah, well. So if you've got a five-year-old loan, expect it to be no better than 0.5 off mm. the current best rates. And then is it a matter of um, also checking out, so say you had a loan that you took out two years ago, um, and then you pull out your slip, and then you look at what your lender is offering currently. Same product. Same product and yep. going, hang on, I'm a loyal... Well, that's even more bizarre. I just did one, happened to be Bankwest, but I've done it with most banks. Bankwest client was told, yep, your home loan rate is 4.1. And I said, well, that's the XYZ loan that's currently at 3.3. And the client told the people that and they said, yes, it is. And they said, can we please have a drop? And they said, well, no. Um, now, I'll be fair to Bankwest and I'm not sure if it was this call or another call, but a bank said to a client of mine, we're not currently prioritising current customers. So we're prioritising new customers. Now, that's the truth of what they're all doing because they're... When I was first a broker, professional package discounts were around 0.6. 
Now they're around 1.6 and more. So those pro packs have moved by a percent in 18 years. Um, So it's quite a cynical exercise. Yeah. So you're talking a bit about pro packs as well or or even employee packs. Yeah. Um, We've had a discussion on, uh, yeah, the, the... I guess terrible nature of of treating your employees, or well, you mean the bank employees? Yeah, yeah. It used to be when when I was twenty and thirty years old that bank loans were unbelievable. The the home loan market might have been seven or ten percent, and the bank staff would get three percent, and that was a great condition of service. Well, these days it's not. Um, so any bank um, staff loan, pretty much, um, market can beat. Which is disappointing for sure. Mm. Yeah, it sounds to me, and something that I that I notice in the way that you post on social media, um, the way that you run your business, we have we we have our monthly chats, mm. um, which I appreciate. Uh, is you value, and I think it comes back to family as well, and, and your, your relationship with family is, is the client relationships that you build. Yeah. For your clients. So let's yeah talk a little bit about that. Um, process where where everyone that's coming into your business is is treated at a very high level. Yeah, we we aim to help less customers with um, more service. So we push it hard to provide more to less customers, mm. and we want to provide the unexpected. We want to be really strong communicators. We want to really have fast solutions. We want to provide more in terms of product information and and content and. Um, hand-holding, you know, helping them with solutions, helping them with how do you buy a house? What's going to happen when you start talking to a real estate agent? And that would be a separate session I would offer to come in and talk about strategies in buying a home or uh, data and information about what's sold in what suburbs for what price points and what's the trends in those suburbs been so they can make informed choices. Or um, we would be really keen to personally do the loan documents with the client where they could go to the bank and sign them up and whatever but we want to provide more to the customer i would prefer to have a planning meeting prior and all the documents prior to get a really great outcome to understand the customer and what they're trying to achieve and then cater a solution so the subsequent meeting would be about loan options and and build that relationship where they trust me because you don't you don't get given trust you earn trust and we say to people at the start of the experience, I'm not asking you for a referral now. I'm asking you if you get the exceptional experience we want to provide, would it then be okay to ask you to either use our service again or be willing to refer somebody? Yeah. And, and so that primacy, and the client needs to be able to contact us. My mobile hasn't changed for a long time. No, and so to contact us, to have a team on board, so Shane and I are working as, as one team as in, the, in the sales and support side. Um, you can contact either of us at any one time and we will give you answers, solutions and chase stuff. Mm. Um, yeah, so th- we've got to provide an outstanding solution. And that's actually, pr- for me, part of this podcast is I've always wanted to provide... Um, I do a fair amount of social media and videoing and, and providing source material and, and content... But we're really proud of what we do, so I want to get more and more grabs and more and more um, content. And thank you for yeah, we're going to we're, we're going to be doing it with that. So that'll be a monthly thing where we'll do our update, we'll do a podcast, I'll interview someone from my world, and um, give it to you. Thank you for been talking um, to edit and cut and give me something palpable that I that I value, and um, and that's really exciting yeah. to to 
package that and refer clients to topics of interest. Okay. Yeah. Um, I think I also want to, in terms of showing and demonstrating your client relationship, uh, if you're listening along, um, obviously if you're driving, don't do this, but if you're listening at home, um, go onto Google and type in Loan Market Richmond and you'll see the Google reviews that, that Martin has are all five star and he, you've got at least 40? Yeah, it's 30, over 40, 40 and yeah. we're very proud of that yeah. and also under Net Promoter Score, which is Harvard model, I've yep. got a Net Promoter Score of currently 94. Out of, that's out of well, 100 people that don't know NPS. It's yeah. over 50 have given us a 9 or a 10 yeah. and 3 have given us an 8 and there's nothing below an 8. Yeah, perfect. And all the 3s, I was actually exceptionally happy with how that went. Yeah. I think they were just tough markers. Tough markers. That's okay. <laughs> um, but, we all have that. Yeah, we, but not just the numbers but also the words. Yeah. We're really proud of the, the, the messaging coming back to us of what our clients say. And that, that, it's all about the client. Now, Wendy Higgins, a great mortgage broker, taught me... Really simple. Talk to someone, meet them, um, sign some forms, do an unbelievable job, do a, give them an exceptional experience and ask them, is it okay to see you as their mortgage broker? Mm -hmm. And uh, such simplicity is, is something that we aspire to and, and that client experience is what we aspire to provide. Perfect. So you've got this relationship, someone looking, um, driving along, listening to this podcast going... Gee, I would love to work with Martin. Um, who is the right person to work with you? Uh, the right person to work with me? Well, no current spots available. <laughs> I don't believe. Yeah. Um, right person to work with me. I want them to be client-centered. Yep. I want there to be um, no toxicity, no negativity. Mm. I, I want them to be a can-do person. Yeah. And I want them to be always letting the client know we're going to sort it out oh sorry that's that's in terms of staff and, and it, scale yeah but i was asking oh, a client a client okay yes. so right client. so the yep. staff to provide that experience for the client yeah we i have a concept of uh, and we've talked before in the past about um i have a concept of the perfect client the perfect client i should have used now we would help every client and i would never turn away a client but i might just help them a different way someone who asked me for a loan that i didn't think as a broker would be in their benefit or wouldn't make us money like it's pretty stupid to do two weeks worth for no money but i can help them a lot but if i had to define perfect it would be someone who values the advice and support someone who needs something needs a loan needs a home loan we want to focus on home and investment loans as our primary focus someone who has a deposit or would qualify who has income preferably two incomes because that makes an exceptional difference to their eligibility Someone who is local is better because I would like to meet them and work with them and do a planning session and, and just keep showing them ideas and options and asking them to make one simple choice at a time, which becomes a solution. Someone who is okay tech savvy because to get that planning right, I would ask them to do a fact finder all online. That saves a lot of the mucking around and people like it, but it also gives us a really good picture of the customer and can upload some documents and the like. It also means you're not fussing around on the phone trying to do the fact find and, Correct. and spending half an hour to an hour. Correct. They can the the meeting becomes about the solutions. It doesn't become about the, um, the fiddle-faddle. Yeah. You know, it becomes about the, the best outcome for yeah. them. Um, not a rate chaser. Um, and I think that's pretty close to yeah, the perfect mm -hmm. client concepts. Mm -hmm. um, 
bigger loan is better. So bottom yeah. line is, I said to you earlier, if you're going to be fair income about providing more to less customers, well, you have to also start with providing for your family. So one of my key goals is I, I need to be, want to be profitable to support my family mm. and the life that we want to have that I think we deserve. Mm. And that doesn't come from being always a charity service. Now, I do have clients who I haven't made any or much money from. However, and I don't want to appear to be a heartless person, but I'm in business to make money for my family, not, not to the other way around. This is a lesson that you've actually taught me over the last two days. Um, you, you sat me down and you said, you know, it's, you've finished, you've done a degree, you've, you've qualified, you've done a mm. lot of experience over the last five years. It's time for you to, you know, it's great to help people. And, and I think as creatives or marketers or, you know, anything for me personally, you want to help people. Um, and that almost puts you in golden handcuffs because if you have that mindset first and don't back to... Um, the I need to provide for my family and mm. my future and you know I've just signed a rental lease with my partner and yeah, exciting. so I've got I've got commitments for myself and yep. so that's a really awesome lesson for someone listening along yeah loving yourself valuing yourself really pushing yourself to be great at what you do and using that analogy you've got amazing skills and amazing knowledge in lots of fields but now choosing to provide podcast services as as a lead story that's of great value. Like, you know, I've, and this will be the first of a monthly for me that I'm super excited about and I think is very fair in terms of value. I'm not getting mates rates here. Yes, we are family. <laughs> um, but no, I'm telling you to give me a good bill and, yeah. and to provide for your family and your dreams, which we all deserve. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Very cool. And I guess taking that client relationship, right client, um, you know, really wowing people, you've just started a, a new initiative, a uh, cashback guarantee. Yeah. It, yeah, I rolled it out a year or so mortgage, ago. How does a mortgage, a year or so, how does a mortgage broker give a cashback guarantee? Yeah. Um, I'm pleased to raise that one. <laughs> We're super proud of this because it started with a chat about we do discussions with people who do they, don't they know our service, do they, don't they value our service, do they, don't they understand that we are and want to be like a top 5% business we want to be not just by volume but by knowledge by professionalism by how much we help that we would be a go-to business and how do we back ourselves so it started with that so the key interaction the reason people get a home loan is to buy property so commonly it's happening fast commonly i'd love to do a pre-approval early and then have them consider a plan buy at the right time but commonly it happens quite quickly so the cashback guarantee is such that if we have got everyone's documents and have lodged the loan, basically I've seen it and, and I believe it to be a complete loan, then if it has been lodged, not even pre-approved, not even conditionally approved, not even a bank seen the documents yet, and they then exchange on a property, uh, which in New South Wales to exchange with a cool-off is 0.25%. So if a million-dollar property, that's $2,500. If they pay that $2,500 exchange on a property, I will back that $2,500 if their loan is declined. Even in the current environment of nasty, tough credit environment, I'll back our knowledge that the client will get that loan approved. Wow. Awesome. Yeah. That is, yeah. 
So yeah, I'm pretty pumped about yeah. it. I'm, I'm glad you yeah. seem to be too, because I, I think it says we back our knowledge, we back our research, we back the product we want to provide and, and aspire to provide. And we'll be really cranky if we don't provide that exceptional yeah. experience. You'll be angry with yourself. And we'll back ourselves with my money. So Actually, Shane will offer it too, but it's my money. Shane <laughs> <laughs> will be... Uh... <laughs> no, nah, it's all good. Nah, no, no, it's, I'm good. the broker. He, he works together with yeah, me, but of course. no, no, we, we back that. And it's his research and knowledge that I back. Yeah. He's, he knows a lot of different things and a lot of complementary mm. things to me. And um, yeah, we're proud to yeah. offer that. To and you clients. guys will obviously get to know Shane over this series. Yeah. Well. Yeah, I, yeah. I, he doesn't know it yet, but I think he'll be the co-host. <laughs> <laughs> we haven't talked about it yet. It's a new Christmas <laughs> initiative. New Christmas initiative. Um, yeah. that's, that's fantastic. I, um, I love to get into the mind of a business owner on, on the Bean Talking podcast. And you t- took the leap. You know, you took the leap from corporate to you did the, the, the thing everybody wants to do. I mm. want to replace my nine to five with my passion. Twice. Twice. You did it <laughs> twice. So let's, let's, let's take us there. How, you know, you had a family, probably a young family when it happened. You had a five, five-year-old and nine-year-old who mm. at the time and uh, yeah. So that, what happened with that mindset and how did you? Um, uh, I'd always had a pretty entrepreneurial bent. Uh, which is strange coming out of 21 years in the army. Um, I don't know. It just seemed to be a fairly understandable, accessible thing. And the thing I liked about mortgage broking was that it, it was it would could be different things. It could be a home-based office, a mobile business, a commercial office, a multi-office, multi-staff, or very lean. And I I hadn't had extensive research, but I'd seen a number of models. Um, yeah, I just thought I can do that. I, I, I met a bunch of people and saw who was doing it. And I talked to them and I heard their experiences and I just thought if they were doing it, I could do that. There's a lot of appeal in being self-employed. It's a lot of flexibility, which is also a trap to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. But it does give the ability to not miss key moments in your family and to control your environment probably better than you could being an employee. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you're someone who, and as a business owner, you need to do this. You're someone who's very good at setting goals um, and, and thinking about what it is that I want and what it is that will support the family. Uh, I like to say that there's a big difference between a dream, a dream and a goal. Dream is something that you think about and want to do, and a goal is something that you write down and put a mm. date to. Um, what's your advice on, because we're coming into 2020, New Year's resolutions, mm. people want to change. Um, What's your advice on someone actually making a plan and a goal January 1 to really... And you could even talk to me because you know, I'm launching the, yeah. the podcast. Well, January 1, I'd still want to be on holidays. Uh. <laughs> um, so having a good break, I've had... Well, this is the middle of, but three weeks break. Um, but yeah, for sure, understanding your key inputs and outputs of the business is probably the start. So for a broker, it's as simple as... Um, some people manage monitor calls. Everyone should manage how many inquiries they get, like loan questions, how many meetings they have, how many submissions they make, which become how many pre-approvals and how many settlements by number and by dollar. Um, so they're the key numbers if you are high on meetings and knowing the conversion rates for each. That's the big ticket item for a mortgage broker. And for most businesses, what's my key numbers? So knowing your numbers, writing it down, and then tinkering every phase. How do I change those conversions? And sometimes you don't want to. So if I have 40 meetings in a month, I can't manage that. 
I can't actually commit to that and, and do enough at the back end. Mm. So I don't want to change the conversion rate from um, one stage to another because it would lead to this. So, so understanding and knowing what conversion rates you want. So knowing your numbers, knowing your cash flow. So cash flow budget is key, like what makes me money, money in, money out. Is, and again, I, I use zero as an accounting package and it gives me great visibility on what's coming and going. Mm. What are my key inputs and key outputs? I break down most of my key incomes and, and key costs. Sometimes I choose not to break it down too far because you can over-fiddle. Um, if you're only making $3,000 a year from one line, it doesn't matter if that's 10 different things, like they're other. Mm. You know, but if I'm making 5000 10000 20000 or more, I'd really like to know mm. what the balance of those is compared to how much time am I spending. Yeah, especially if you have multiple um, sources of income or different, different types of clients or yeah. different services that you offer. That's, that's yeah. definitely important. But probably the biggest one is to stop, take time out and, and just write it down. Consult others for sure, but have your things written down and, and stay focused to also being accountable. Like everyone's good at writing a plan. Mm. Lots of people have a plan. Who goes back and reads their business plan? Who goes back and has something simple enough as a plan on a page or a cash flow planner or something they will look in on every month? Got to do it. Mm. Yeah. I think that's that's almost an awesome place to wrap it up. But I've got two two last questions. Um, one, what's coming up next? And I already sort of know that this is leading leading to a bit of a bit of an explanation of what's up next for me as well. Um, you've you've taken on the commitment to do a podcast for Loan Market Richmond. Yeah, uh, you've bought all the gear here. Is that Loan Market Richmond. Loan Market Richmond. Yep. <laughs> Um, we've got gear I I had a really fun day with you yesterday we bought two really high quality mics and road stands sorry Um, very high quality camera you've you've made that commitment Um, why have you done that and yeah what are we going to do what's what's the point yeah sure so what do you want to get out of it too yeah so anything from like $500 to $2,000 could rig this up I've always had this fascination with providing better and more content so having a youtube channel with programs for um, my monthly update the frequently asked questions um, the full youtube clip etc so providing that content interviewing some of my key colleagues so it'll become um, hear from this solicitor hear from this accountant hear from this real estate agent focusing on a part of their business or a part of the customer experience um, so yeah, I do that every month and provide that content and provide that value, but also show interest and support in my colleagues, which is going to strengthen my business affiliations. So yeah, super excited and uh, really pleased to have taken the plunge to mm. get stuck into it and appreciate your support and, and your help in doing this. Fantastic. And um, the last one, so if anybody listening along or watching along has heard something that has inspired them to reach out to you. Mm. And, um, you know, start working with you or, or questions. Uh, how do we do that? Where, yeah. Where's the best places? Yeah. Um, obviously, yeah. Go. Yeah, sure. Um, I guess I'll split that into two parts. Probably the first one is one we talked about that I love hearing on your podcast mm. is, I guess, big business takeouts. Yep. So if I had a couple, one would be you really need to be focused on uh, the client. So that's been strong yep. today. Yeah, of course. You really need to have a communication strategy with the client. Yep. So 
data is king. Like you don't want to treat clients like data, but mm. if you have 2,000 people of relevance who know what you do, who you're communicating a message to, who might or might not be in your world at some stage, things pop out of that. Mm. Um, having great referral relationships and yep. great professional colleague relationships and simplicity of business. So yeah. my first business had three offices and partnerships and multi-site and multi-staff and it was much harder to manage with even simple as computer systems or whatever than having one site. So the simplicity of a business setup and simplicity of um, focus on the product and yeah, that would be some of the, the key business taking yeah, something yeah. we talked about earlier. We'll top that um, in, yeah. No, that's cool. And the second part of, so finding me, yeah, just Google Martin Beanland Loan Market or Loan Market Richmond and you'll find more and more content on a YouTube channel, uh, Facebook, Martin Beanland Loan Market, and I'd welcome and love people to like that page to keep informed. We like putting little client stories and up stuff to date, in there. Be yeah, updated. Yeah, keep them updated and uh, keep people informed and it might be that they know someone who can use a hand and um, yeah, love to help people at their pace, at their time. Most people still choose their current bank, like over 50% of people when they come to me, it's, a, it's an experience to compare their bank to other. Yeah. But yeah, would love to chat and help anyone I can. Fantastic. Martin, I've been Tim, you've been Martin, we've been talking. Thanks, Thank mate. you for coming on. Fantastic. Cool. Cheers. Thanks, guys.